Hello, everyone, and welcome to the 11th episode of the Multiversity Manga Club, nearing in on one full year of monthly manga podcasts. This is Walter Richardson. I am joined, as always, by my co-hosts, Zach Wilkerson. Hey, guys. And Emily Myers Richardson. It'll be Richardson soon enough. We're figuring it out. <laughs> the, yes. The administrative process and all that. <laughs> yes, I think by the next episode I will officially be Emily Richardson, so look forward to that. We'll retro-edit... Well, you'll, excuse me, we will retro-edit all of those previous ones as well. Change the past. Hmm. I don't know, that seems a bit tedious. <laughs> How have you been, Zach? I've been uh, pretty good. Um, you know, had a nice, restful Thanksgiving over which I um, balanced my my holiday cheer with the soul-crushing weight of goodnight pun pun. That sounds like my Thanksgiving weekend, too. Um, yeah, same here, weirdly enough. Coincidentally, because that's what we're talking about this month. Um, Goodnight Pum Fun is a comic by Inyo Asano, I believe his name is pronounced. It is not fun. It is good. It is not fun. It's, uh, yeah. I think it's very good. It, I is my take, my immediate take. Immediate, right off the bat. You know, I, I definitely, I think it is extremely well crafted. Um, I'm still having a hard time deciding whether or not I actually like it. You know, some of these things that are very like, you know, heavy and, you know, unpleasant. Um, sometimes it can, you know, you appreciate it. It's hard to say, like, do I like this? Because, right. Like, <laughs> Is this really something that you say that you like? No. It, it's, no. Yeah. I don't, don't want <laughs> Yeah. That's, yeah. Yeah. I, I, I distinctly remember, because I read it before Walter did, um, and as I finished the first volume, I put it down, and I said, and Walter came by and just asked me, how is it so far? And I said, I, I think I like it. I, I think I like how it's crafted, as Walter said. I think it's crafted very well. Uh, however, I do agree as well that um, it's probably something I'd have to read till the end, I think, to see if I agree with whatever thesis uh, Asano has. I'm not sure, you know, if it turns out to be some really, de- if it ends on some really, really depressing note, I'm not sure I would be as keen on it. But, you know, I can't, I can't say at this point how it's going to end. I mean, it might take an upturn. But again, we only read the first two volumes, so I don't really know how useful this speculation is, but um, it's one of those things where I liked what I read, but really to have a fuller understanding of how good it is, I think we'd have to finish it. Yeah. I, I, and that is just an inherent weakness of only reading the first two volumes. Right, yeah, I, I definitely agree. Like, I feel like, so my my kind of um, take on, like, what we read is it's generally very depressing. You're, it deals with very real feelings of, you know, just the, the the trials of growing up and just kind of how much the world sucks. But then throughout the whole thing, there's this small 
lining of hope that kind of yeah goes through the whole thing it's very small it's though. very small, yes it but is... it's like contrasted so much with just kind of like the the dark abyss that you know that pun <laughs> almost falls into at one point um yeah that it, that i yeah. i could see that like hopeful through line in the whole thing and i and i you know i'm, I'm obviously you know we i still have i think there are um seven volumes total of like this this yeah, year, this collection right. um and so it's still a long way to go i i feel like it it's one of those series that will just be just miserable all the way through and then at the end it'll have this kind of like melancholy well everything's sort of okay ending you know right and if it doesn't yeah. have that then i don't like like if it's just soul crushing all the way through i don't know what to do you know yeah just kind of reach the end and oh yeah <laughs> yeah it's hard to say but yeah it's weird i i do have to say that like after the first volume i really didn't know how i felt about it um like i mean i thought it was fine i i just didn't feel super engaged with it i loved some of the imagery and how you know just kind of weird it is at times and how it'll go on these these yeah. flights of fancy but then it was really the the subplot with yuichi in the second volume yes yeah that was good that really kind of it, sold me on the series i think yeah i feel it gave it a bit more of a focus i i understand you know having pun pun be he's not like completely silent you know there you have these like uh either the panels that are entirely text or occasionally i think there are some captions that are him speaking yeah but for the most part he he, he speaks very little and I kind of get, I, I get that, but, um, I do think like when it, uh, refocused on or temporarily focused on Yuichi, you know, he still has that same sort of strange bird-like appearance, you know, fe featureless bird. Like a kid's drawing. <laughs> yeah. Um, he has that same sort of, uh, look, but I think it made it much more of a focused narrative just by the very fact that he could like speak. Yeah. And right. spoke, you know, he spoke to other characters and, you know, whereas when the few times that Pun Pun does speak, it doesn't really feel like a conversation the way that it's kind of yeah. broken up. Um, and I, I, I get it. it's a cool kind of way to do things, but yeah, I felt it had more focus, uh, when it wasn't just Pun Pun at least. Yeah. Yeah. How did you guys feel about the characters in his family being represented as those bird figures? I thought that was an interesting choice. And I think in the cases where there were some very intense, you know, sometimes disturbing scenes, and mostly with people from his family. So you're seeing, you know, these bird people, um, you know, in a very distressing, shall I say, sexual encounter. Um, stuff like that. And I, I, I want to say it kind of, don't get me wrong. This, those scenes are still, you know, uh, 
somewhat shocking, but I feel like the kind of, it, it's a weird contrast. I guess it softens the blow a little, but it also makes it weirder. I yeah. don't really know how to describe yeah. it. I think maybe that's what he was going for, this kind of just really weird, confusing juxtaposition of a like cartoon character with the, you know, the realistic looking humans or well so it's been a while since i've read um scott mcleod's uh understanding understanding comics that's his name right scott mcleod yeah yeah i think so for a second for a second (laughs) you said fox for a second i was like i didn't just say fox (laughs) mcleod no um i see where your brain's so i might i might be like butchering what he says about this but he talks you know a lot about how you know, with um, stylized characters as opposed to realistic, it makes it easier for us, the reader, to kind of um, feel in the place of that character. Um, you know, we're able to kind of project ourselves into the character better when it looks more stylized, less like a specific mm-hmm. person. And I think um, that in some way it helps, like, you know, talking about Hibichi and his... Uh, shall we say, uh, interesting sexual encounter <laughs> towards the like middle to end of uh, volume two. You know, if that was depicted as like a specific person, I think it would kind of, we would be more focused on what is this guy doing? You know, it, it, it would kind of um, distract in a way. We're focusing more at him, we would be focusing more on him from the outside as opposed to, I think, by having him be this kind of featureless bird, in a way we're kind of more kind of looking at it from um, his point of view. We're able to kind of think about more what is going on with him as opposed to what he is doing, if that makes any sense. We're able to kind of um, project ourselves onto Yuichi rather than kind of observe from the outside. Yeah, I think you're... Horrified. I think that's fun. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Because, yeah, I think that if it had been... If these characters were depicted as, you know, more realistic human characters, it, it A, would have made those scenes a lot more disturbing or distressing, I think, than they already were. Um, And I... I like what you said about it being less about what's going on on the outside and more about the the kind of ideas that this story and the scene is expressing, you know. Right. Yeah, I really yeah, I like that. And you know, I think it's I think that's one of the major parts of this that um we we need to look at these characters as people and pun pun's father I, i'm blanking on his name uh just uh, uh i mean we don't really mi- see his name yeah, maybe, too much. maybe he doesn't have yeah. a first name maybe it's just mr punyama yeah. mr yeah um so you know for example he he is like you know clearly a dirtbag um right just <laughs> not a good person um but at the same part there's like those couple of scenes that are kind of supposed to emphasize that uh, three-dimensional aspect of, okay, he's not a good person. He's, you know, 
clearly suggested to, you know... Be abusing and physically assaulting his wife. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, he clearly, in his own weird, messed up way, he loves his son. And right. I think that's easy. And I think that's another way that that having that kind of more abstract presentation of, uh, the character, we kind of feel yeah. for him a little I, bit more. I think it helps also. I would just, this just occurred to me. I think it helps you get into that child mindset, I guess, a little bit more, even though Pun Pun's dealing with these very yeah. uh, distressing things. Um, you know, you see him being really happy to receive a letter from his dad, who I think, I'm not sure if he was in, if he was in jail for a while or I, I think, I think sure. he went, uh, eventually if he was being held somewhere, I, I can't exactly remember, but eventually he's gets sent out to work in a different place in Japan and he sends pun pun letter letters and pun pun's always really happy to get them. And ironically, he doesn't like his mom very much. It sounds like. Right. Um, and that's one of the, that's one of the complicated things with, you know, kids yeah. in like, you know, especially families, uh, that break apart. Kids are sometimes unfair, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes, you know, the, the, spouse who um was the one who was you know acting wrongly is the one that the kids just end up favoring anyway and i thought that was a i definitely thought that was an interesting dynamic uh, that yeah. was explored i uh, think okay. like like many other things an uncomfortably real one <laughs> yeah i was going to say i think i think what makes it i was trying to pinpoint what makes this story feel so dis- distressing it's it's not that i think it's Weird necessarily. I think it's just very frank about how it displays some of the really dark, you know, sides of our thoughts. I mean, eventually Pun Pun, you know, fantasizes about killing or wants to kill the, uh, there's like a love triangle later with, uh, the girl he likes, Iko, and this guy on the badminton team. And he, you know, kind of has a complicated relationship with him. On the one hand, he likes him. On the other hand, he's like, wow, I could really kill this guy because he's stealing my girl. Um, and then of course, you know, the uncle being attracted to an underage girl and all that that entails. Um, it's very frank about it and accompanied by the really weird imagery. I think it just, it's, effective in both a good and bad way in that it it's it's you you get what he's driving home but it makes you feel weird right yeah it's definitely not supposed to you shouldn't feel comfortable reading this book at all (laughs) um that's clearly intentional yeah exactly yeah um i wanted to talk a little bit about the way god or the idea of god is portrayed in the book yeah yes um how multiple characters see a representation of god at times and refer to that but also how um just kind of capricious these characterizations of god are which add to like even more the the nihilism of the book right Capricious and even, you know, spiteful. Yeah. 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 At first I was a little, because I was reading the blurb on the, um, I think it's at the back of the first volume, and it says, you know, it's kind of got these little punchy lines, which I thought didn't really represent the 
the tone of the story very well, but I mean, it's, it's just a blurb, but you know, it's like, you know, pun puns, a kid, just a normal kid. He's, uh, hanging out with his friends and God's an asshole. And I'm like, Oh geez, I wonder how they're going to, I thought this was going to be kind of eye rolly, but I think because it was so surreal and weird, it kind of worked. Yeah. He's he's usually got that smiling face. uh, Yeah. Just like an afro or something like that. Occasionally looks serious. And he kind of creeps out in some scenes. It's very strange. He kind of comes out from around corners. (laughs) and It's it's very like Wario wear. (laughs) (laughs) Like Mr. Game and Watcher. Yeah. Yeah. Like a a Wario wear mini game. Yeah, that's what I got that. (laughs) No, no. Now that you say that, that... I get that. I get what you're saying. I know. With that. It's so weird, but I get it too. Oh man, I wish uh, God had been depicted as Waluigi. <laughs> if this had been written maybe a couple of years later, maybe he would have had the forethought to to do that. Oh man. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's a very. Um, I don't want to say I don't feel that that. It, it would it would be unfair to say that version of God doesn't fit in it because you know it's a huge part of the story, but to a certain degree, I, I think that it didn't uh, feel as um, you know we were talking about the frankness, the, the frank reality of it. Um, it that kind of felt more at this stage more like a more teenage personification of God. Yeah. I would think, you know, so much, so much of, uh, what, what we read for uh, this one, um, you know, we got up into his like middle school years. Right. Um, and you know, so much of this is like what's supposed to be depictions of how like a kid kind of understands certain things. You know, they don't quite clearly understand what they're looking at, what's going around them. Um, and for the most part, I think that's very well done. And it's the God uh, depiction I don't feel – it doesn't feel um, as much it's, like the others. It's very, you know, it's entertaining yeah, with, with just I mean, how much of a jerk he is. Um, I guess I don't see it as as well thought out maybe as the other uh, – some of the other imagery maybe. It's more just like God's quirky and hates you. Um, I could be wrong. I mean, we only read the, again, we only read the first two volumes, but like, he definitely has a goal with this. I'm just not sure at this point what that is. What about you, Zach? Because you uh, brought him up. I mean, I really don't know what I think about it yet. I think it's something that's going to take more time. Only, I would probably have a, a better idea of what I think if this, you know, the, the Afro God was the only depiction of God in this book, but we see at least like two others, you know, there's the poop God that, um, oh, yeah. that, uh, Shimu- Shimizu has, um, who rides yeah. around in the UFO. Right. And that, that feels more <laughs> yeah. childish. And then, yeah, for sure. Yeah, and then there's the one instance, um, where, uh, I guess like, you know, we're getting into like full on spoiler territory already, but we do that. So sorry, well, sorry if you if you made it this far and we've spoiled uh, all of yeah, with for the... you. But um, in the, in the scene where um, Yuichi is on the train tracks and he's kind of like given up and he has this monologue about you know the meaning of life and guilt being 
god being guilt and he has like his weird smiley almost like beetle-esque god appear on the train oh, yeah. tracks and so oh i don't remember that it, it only happens just that one time and so, right mm. right oh okay i i just like don't really know what i guess i guess it's just some kind of thing like everyone's god is slightly different based on their experiences i mean i guess another thing to remember for pun pun's version of god is that didn't he well i don't know if he got the image from his uncle but I think he his uncle told him how to like quote unquote summon God yeah. right, with right. a weird little uh And it like, was it was clearly saying, just some sort of like throwaway yeah. it, it was clearly just his uncle like saying some kind just, of joke. Yeah, he was just this. joking with him. He's like, I mean, Yeah, it was from it was from that girl who was the girl, abused, yes. But you know Yeah, which <laughs> was even more like disturbing right. and like well, I guess maybe not disturbing, but just sad. <laughs> I mean Right. Yeah. yeah, it, yeah. But that that aspect of it, I did find uh, good with uh, Pon Pon. You know, it, it shows it's another way showing how like seriously some, you know, how seriously kids will take things an authority says to them. Mm-hmm. Sometimes, you know, he, he just kind of jokes, you know, oh, you know, summon God by saying, "Dear God, dear God, tinkle hoy." That's it, right? Yeah, that's it. something like that. Yeah, yeah. it definitely yeah. tinkle like, tinkle hoy was part of it. Yeah, yeah. Um... And he just takes that to heart, and yeah. certain certain things, you know, kids will if they, you know, with certain authority figures, you know, the the Calvin and Hobbes comic strips had running gags about this. So, you know, he would just uh, ask his dad questions, and his dad would just make something up, maybe like, okay, cool. Um, this is obviously a much darker um, reflection of that, but yeah, <laughs> a similar concept. Yeah, and I mean, I think that's one of the things that I appreciated most about this series is how it kind of approaches all of these really, really hard questions about, you know, life yeah. and humanity, but in a really kind of, I mean, it's it's dark and it's nihilistic, but it's also kind of flippant in a way, too. Yeah. 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 But it also. Yeah. yeah. I guess flip it sounds bad. It's. I mean, it's so. Right's not the right word either. But do you you get what I'm saying? Like it's. Yeah. Yeah. Like I think it it, it was you, Emily, who said Frank, right? (laughs) Yeah. Frank. Yeah. Yeah, That's. Yeah. Yeah. Or like you know how like when, you you see it when like the kids are talking about sex or about death. You know that it's. That's just how a lot of times these things are with kids. It's not like some profound moment. Yeah. Um, they have some deep realization, you know. Kids are talking about sex. They're talking about, like, you know, I'll kill you, uh, thinking about, you know, killing and stuff like Death. that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, just at a, at a pretty young age, you know, younger than we'd like to think. Yeah, they're um, pretty, they can be pretty crude, and um, even though they're talking about a lot of the stuff like they know, you could tell that Pun Pun was very confused about what sex actually was. Right. Um, and what it entailed, because there were these really memorable and uh, kind of interesting, <laughs> to, to uh, put it, um, I guess, simply, uh, interesting imagery of, like, just it almost kind of looked like if you look in a kaleidoscope kind of just imagery of like women's bodies and then 
yeah. mouths and stuff, and then pun pun, just like like a million pun puns coming out. It, it was very weird, but I think it really got it really drove home how confusing and overwhelming this was for like a I don't know eight or nine year old. Right, but I think at the same time we kind of get from this, you know, pun puns confused about it. I think one of my things about the way that pun pun is depicted, his little abstract shape. This is something I was thinking about. I don't think it really holds a lot of water when his family's portrayed the same way. But at first I was thinking about it as a way as like, you know, um, as a kid, you kind of feel like you yourself are not quite a person yet. Whereas, you know, all these other kids around you, they mm-hmm. seem like they know everything and all mm. that. So like, for you know, again, when they're talking about sex, you know, from Pun Pun's perspective, like these kids seem... Yeah. They know, what they know what's going about. on. They know what's going on. <laughs> uh, but they're just as clueless as he is. And I don't, like I said, it doesn't quite work with his family as well, but that, that's kind of, uh, something I got from just the way he was depicted, just this feeling of formlessness, uh, particularly yeah. like when compared to your peers, you know, oh, you know, this, this friend of mine is so smart. This friend of mine, you know, he yeah. understands girls. Uh, right. So on and so forth. When you don't realize that, you know, they're just kind of as clueless as you. They're just kids as well. Yeah. Like they, like he doesn't have a fully developed sense of self. I yet, I yeah. guess. Um, I was wondering what you guys thought about. I thought it was a little weird how some of the adults were portrayed. I thought that, yeah. I thought that, um, Pun Pun's family was Okay, I want normal is rel- relative here, but I mean they seemed more like they right, were acts. coherent. But then some of the other adults seemed really weird, and I couldn't tell if that was just how Pun Pun saw them or right. Like there's the scene with like the principal and one of the teachers playing that, hide and seek. That was the most confusing scene. I have I no w- idea what that was supposed like, to be. Like I, th- I thought maybe that was supposed to be something like Pun Pun was seeing something that he didn't understand. Yeah. Um. Maybe. That they were doing something that he didn't get. But then there's like the lawyer, um, who again, he likes act, he acts as we sh- might say a bit strangely. And I thought, okay, same thing. Some, there's something here that's going on that I, at Pun Pun, and thus me right now as the reader, don't get. But then he's doing the same thing when he's, uh, hanging out with his uncle. He's, yeah. he's still acting weird there. So um, I'm not sure. I, yeah. That, that always a bit lost on. If it was just supposed to be, Strange. Kind of weird, yeah. Or if there's some sort of meaning to it that I just missed, I'm not sure. Yeah, I actually forgot yeah. about that stuff from the first volume because there's less of it in the second one besides the the lawyer and maybe mm-hmm. like a few other um, yeah cases. Yeah. But that that reminds me of something else I really wanted to talk about is how the the art style can shift from being like very beautiful, very picture picturesque to to surreal and psychedelic to terrifying and disturbing just at the drop of a hat. Um, oh yeah. Yeah. And and it's not I don't think it's just like a uh stylistic in terms of like actual like the style of the drawing mm-hmm. itself. Um but Asano has really good awareness of pacing i think and of just overall scene structure yeah um like you know the psychedelic stuff it kind of there's a lot of you know 
large panels, you know, some like spreads when he's like kind of having his more like borderline hallucinogenic, uh, dreams. Yeah. But then, you know, going with the, uh, encounter with the, uh, young girl and then with the, uh, girlfriend showing up, he uses like these kind of like claustrophobic kind of panels. Yeah. And, you know, he does some stuff, he does some stuff with the, uh, actual way that, you know, the figures and shadows and all that are kind of put on the paper, but a lot of it is just, just pure mastery of storytelling, um, in terms of knowing how to evoke mm-hmm. certain moods using certain panels ra- rather than, you know, specifically what is being drawn, but how it's being, how the story is being told. Um, yeah, he, he, it, I, I agree. Um, that, that was extremely impressive on, uh, Asano's part. Yeah. I will say though, that I don't know if this was intentional and I, maybe I'm, maybe this is just me, but I didn't ever really feel like there were any particularly like sad or even really sentimental scenes. Like I felt bad for what was going on, but I didn't feel like there was any scene that was meant to make me feel sad. Like, you know, I mean, you know know. what I mean? Like, I didn't feel like it was very touching ever. I didn't feel, and I'm not saying that was necessarily a bad thing. I get what you're saying. Yeah, it's... It always seemed a little distant from kind of tugging at your heartstrings. And maybe that's good because I feel like there are some, I mean, the uncle is a pretty bad person, I think. I mean, he's, I mean, he was, like, as I was reading his story, I was like, wow, this guy, oof, I don't know. Um, so I'm glad that they didn't do anything, like, emotionally, he didn't do anything emotionally manipulative, I guess. Um, but, yeah, I don't know, I mean, I, I guess know. the closest... I like he kind of did, you mean the writer or the, or the uncle? The, the or... writer. Oh, uh, well... Oh, I don't know. I, I guess, I mean, I guess the closest it got was that dream Pun Pun had about his family first moving into the house. Yeah, that was probably the most, like, um, sentimental. And it's not, I don't mean to say, like, oh, I don't feel bad for the people, for what's happening in the story. I just mean, like, I felt a little distant emotionally. Yeah. And I don't know if that's a flaw is what I'm saying. Right. I don't it, really know some, how to. In some way it could, you know, strengthen it because otherwise you'd just be like, Oh no! <laughs> just I feel like I'm just watching feeling miserable. Yeah, I'm just watching tragedy happen, but he's not. He's there's not a, immersing me. Yeah, somehow. There's some kind of buffer. I, I didn't think about that, but I think there's a uh, some truth do you, to that. For do sure. you feel differently, Zach? Sorry. Oh well, I don't know. I I think that the the uncle probably did like um. His storyline, I think, hit me hmm. pretty pretty hard just because he, I don't know. It was like I didn't. I do agree. Like I had a harder time deciding how I felt about him, you know. And, yeah, and I, I it's think, difficult. And and I think the culminate that that like two or three chapters that culminated with his date with um, Midori or Medora. Yeah, yeah, the lady from the coffee shop. Yeah. Yeah, I think that that kind of hit me pretty hard. Um, yeah. Just after the kind of like emotional tour de force of his, his flashback and 
yeah. how that all went down, um, kind of how he was already, you know, kind of, like you said, not a great person because of the way he was sort of leading yeah. on his, his girlfriend, but also how he was just, you know, kind of trying to live his dream and then got caught up in this weird kind of, um, you know, temptation scenario, I guess. Yeah. And, and so on, on one hand, you're like, well, okay, he, you want him to overcome this like really bad point in his life, but then there's the hints, you know, he's kind of manipulative of Midori a little bit. Um, right. And then there's the end of the second volume where something has clearly happened. That's not good. Um, right. And so in a lot of ways, I think he's like the most interesting. Yeah. Character I would agree. In the book. So yeah. far, definitely. Yeah. So I don't know. It's, I, I kind of, I get what you're saying. It's, it, you never yeah. have like any, um, good emotional moments i guess is well i think it's also i I think it's also there's a safe emotional distance you know it's for as bleak as it is it's amazing it is not it doesn't feel as heavy as it is to a certain extent if that makes sense like the same events that are happening on page could have been told in a way that like would feel it would just make you reading it feel even worse yeah you know um but as it is it's just awful enough without (laughs) being too awful (laughs) oh i feel bad for picking berserk before this so that's 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 depressing in a different way for sure um (laughs) this had significantly less blood and guts than yeah, this is more just no like pun intended. Existential sadness. <laughs> yeah, we're we're sad folks here on the Multiversity Manga Club. Hmm. But sometimes, um, I think that's about uh, that covers the main bits I wanted to talk about. I think overall, would you guys recommend this? Yeah, um, I think you definitely. <laughs> oh, what's that? I was going to say recommends a tough uh, way to put it. Yeah. Just this, know, know what you're getting into. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this is definitely not something that, I mean, some people just aren't going to connect with this kind of thing at all. Right. This is just too much. Some people just want to escape, you know, and not have to deal with this kind of stuff. And that's fine. But like, yeah, this is very heavy stuff um, emotionally. So if you're up for that and for a pretty interesting, um, like, character study of, I guess, well, multiple characters at this point, both Pun Pun and his uncle. Um, I would recommend it. Otherwise, if you're looking for something lighthearted, yeah, no, this is not the place to look. <laughs> All right, uh, so, Zach, uh, what do we have lined up for next month? So, yeah, I'm going to try to raise the um, <laughs> the level of... Um, happiness? Ha- yeah, happiness. Optimism. Whimsy. <laughs> All those, all those nice words, because we are going to talk about Hayao Miyazaki's Nausicaa Valley of the Wind next month. Never heard of him. He's uh, this <laughs> he's kind of a up and coming uh, right. indie animator, um, rising star. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, he's only retired like ten times. Only. So. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh, Sounds good. Uh, you can 
Am I correct that uh, is it Dark Horse who has that box set out now? I, I actually think it's Viz themselves that have it. Oh, okay. I could be mistaken. Um, I, but there, I, there's a box set collecting the whole thing. Yeah, right yeah, it's in two nice hardcovers. Um, I can actually tell you right now, yes, it is Viz who published this book. Okay. I think Dark Horse did cool. have the the um, license to it for a little while. Yeah. Hmm. So we're actually going to try to cover the whole thing. We'll see, you know. Yeah. We'll see how far we, we get. The holidays are a busy time and all that. Right. The, <laughs> but, I think the volumes are a little smaller than, yeah. or significantly smaller than what a normal manga like volume looks like now. So right. we'll see. So we'll hopefully cover it all and, you know, manga club first, talking about an entire series rather than... Ooh, pretty rare. Yeah, it is actually a, the, um, you know, it is the inspiration for our logo so that's right it, yeah <laughs> it's about time we read it 11 months later yeah. 12 months later <laughs> all right we're going to take a, a brief break and then we'll get back to talk about uh some of the entries in this past month of weekly shonen jump we'll talk to you then hi i'm paul the host of the comic syllabus podcast a weekly show on the multiversity network of podcasts we read widely and we dig deep bringing different analytical approaches to our study and appreciation of the wide variety of comics out there. Along with comics teachers, critics, and creators, we do close readings of classic and current exemplars of the medium. And we invite you to join us every Tuesday here at MultiversityComics.com. So let's dig deep. All right, welcome back. Uh, this is the second half of the show where we typically talk about some interesting developments uh, that we felt in various uh, series currently running in Weekly Shonen Jump in the U.S. Uh, first thing I wanted to talk about uh, was the Promised Neverland. We've had some interesting developments that we like to talk about. <laughs> to yes. Pair it um, myself. Um, particularly uh, involving this mysterious man. Yes. Uh, and in particular, I thought this uh, last chapter that closed out the uh, month you know, it's starting off with one of my favorite tropes of hunting humans. Yes, I love it. Emma is now in the most dangerous game. Basically. Um, <laughs> well, it's it would it would be if humans were hunting her, but she's apparently I guess the civilized monsters was that the I, that was the vibe I was getting I, or too. The, I guess could it have been like the monsters that they met? Like those are the ones that are. Uh, probably not the specific the ones. religious ones right yeah um but yeah so these ones are more intelligent for, yeah yeah these are the poachers that were alluded to oh yeah, yeah. okay gotcha and earlier issues yeah they're all they're more sophisticated it, it, the thing that i immediately think of with any of these is uh zach i don't know if you, did you read all of uh the invisibles no i haven't i've read um the first of the hardcover volumes that they put out. Um, right. But that's all. Yeah, I forget when this happens, but, you know, there's, like, one part of one storyline where, like, you know, the rich are literally, like, hunting the homeless, you know, on the streets of Britain. Oh, my. You know, like a fox hunt. Um, that's pleasant. So that's what this made me think of. It doesn't quite have the class conflict aspect of it, but it's kind of, you know, yeah. these are kind of the more sophisticated. There's... And these are the, you know, children that are being bred for food. There's some element of that. I was a little confused as to how much, um, for lack of a better name, uh, the guy, Shadow the Hedgehog. The man. I'll call him because he's 
edgy and has like a streak in his hair. He, Though he, he probably Lord for sure, yeah. 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 Um I know he said he was going to kill uh Emma in one of the later chapter uh, one of the last chapters before this one. Um at this place it's called Goldie Pond. I'm not sure, but then he seemed a little apologetic she, about it. I'm she, not sure she how gave, she got transported there. Yeah, it's still ambiguous. I guess we'll uh figure that out within the next few chapters I guess, probably find yeah. out more about what specifically happened, because it was very sudden. Yeah, it looked like she kind of just phased into the happened. place, yeah, yeah, and then she disappeared, and Ray was uh, freaking out, asking uh, the guy, the adult, what happened to her. So, yeah, I guess it's just kind of a wait-and-see thing. Um, I do think it's... Um, you know, she had that moment where she was saying, oh, we can, we can help you, we can save you. Yeah. I felt that... That felt a little bit early, you know, maybe, maybe yeah. I'm being kind of trying to make the, uh, manga follow stereotypes that I'm just used to of mm, yeah. having some decisive moment later on, um, after he's like been like, Oh, I hate you guys. I'm going to yeah. kill one of you and all that. And then like himself, you know, I thought maybe he would he, save them or something. Yeah. He would die. die. And I think that's a little too, maybe a little cliche. <laughs> but 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 I do I do think it felt a bit early for that kind yeah. of change of heart to kind of if not completely happen to at least start. Yeah, I'm a little confused about this guy's motives. Like for a while it seemed like I couldn't tell if he was being sincere and then suddenly he'd have an internal thought he's like, "Yeah, right, I'm still going to kill you guys." And I'm like, oh, "Okay, child killer all the way. Let's do it." Um D yeah. Emma D. <laughs> Cheese. No Cape one. Fear Cape Fear reference. <laughs> yeah, well Yeah, but, maybe he'll be the Sasha above of the promise that really oh, <laughs> Just keep trying to kill them. Especially <laughs> Emma. But especially Ray. Oh yeah, that would rule it. He picks them up too. Yeah, that's so, yeah. true. He is, he, and he's yeah, he's got the crazy hair. He, he's more Sideshow Bob than he is uh, Shadow the Hedgehog. I, I guess so. Yeah. He also sure. he also has a uh, talk show that you know is about his like rich white lifestyle. Oh wait, that's Frasier. Uh, oh my goodness. <laughs> we need to talk about the Weeaboo Simpsons Twitter account because oh, it is very funny. Yeah, it's I... a brief brief intermission to introduce this <laughs> wonderful Twitter account. <laughs> It it basically all it does is it it doesn't edit images in any way. It just edits subtitles on images. So for example, I don't remember what episode it's from, but the one I remember the most is Burns showing up at Homer's house with like some guys in suits behind him. He's like, "Look, Simpson, I've got my own Oran Host Club" or something like that, because <laughs> they look like they're wearing the suits from Oran High School Host Club. But yeah, it basically turns. Simpson um, screenshots into anime and manga references, and as dumb as that sounds, it's actually pretty funny a lot of the time. It's so good. <laughs> oh, there's one, actually speaking of Sideshow Bob, there's one with Sideshow Bob uh, from the episode where he meets his brother, which is another Frasier reference. He says something like, uh, Sideshow Bob, I don't remember who says what, one of them says, I've really been enjoying my hero academia. And he's like, well, I call it Boku no hero academia. And he gives them this look like, hmm. 
So yeah. the Weave Simpsons account is officially endorsed by the Multiversity Manga Club, and we would almost, uh, if you had to choose between following it and any one of us three, please follow that instead. Yeah, don't follow my trash account, please. <laughs> well, I actually you just, learned about oh, you can if you account, so... Oh, yeah. Oh, okay, well then, yeah. Maybe my account isn't so useless after all. My, uh, I just want my favorite one, and this is very on brand for me, um, is from the episode where they go to Itchy and Scratchy Land, and Bart's trying to find the like novelty license plate that says Bart, but he finds the only he can only find Bart. Oh, like Bart. <laughs> and the subtitle Bart. is pronounced Bart. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man! That, that, to... See, that's whatever I think about whenever I hear the name Boruto. I think Boruto. Yeah, I thought that too. <laughs> oh man! Anyway, it's good. Check it out. Yeah. I, I don't know if there's after that if there's anything more to say about Promise. Well, I'm glad we went on that tangent though. I think we covered everything important. I think about so. Promise that guy's basically Sideshow Bob, and if his name really is Robert, that's going to be great. Oh man, <laughs> that'd be um... the best. <laughs> oh man, we also had a. Mostly good month of food wars. I I had some bones to pick with this. I uh, did a uh, stepped in to do a review for it for uh, Multiversity Comics, uh, the kind of just a weekly um, comic review aspect of it. Um, I thought that it had been doing a really good job lately with this current arc, um, moving at a good clip. And in particular, um, we had, this month was mainly, uh, this round of, um, Momo and, uh, Tadakoro. 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 Megumi. Uh, Megumi. Whatever um, you would like to call her. <laughs> and you had the, you had the one chapter that was leading up to, that was like, you know, as she is offering her dish, you know, you first have, you know, Momo has hers in one chapter and the judges are all astounded. And then you had this other of, uh, Megumi. And, you know, it starts off with everyone kind of like, oh, you know, she's a little bit plain and all that, but she made this, you know, wonderful, you know, it was, you know, something similar to a pancake. I... It was an apple pancake, basically. Yeah. Had like an apple based filling. And I, I, I thought that chapter was very good. Um, and it felt more, you know, she's, she's had her successes over the series, but she does like always feel like a bit of a, you know, as, as you know, they wet even noodle. joke, yeah, yeah, wet noodle, <laughs> someone who you just kind of gets made fun of. Um, and it was feeling really good, like, oh, you know, she's going to get a win. And, but she did. And I don't know. Oh. It, I, I, of course, Soma is the main character. Yeah. So he's going to be but the one who saves not, the day. It's not like she beat a zombie, though. I mean... <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I was a little disappointed by that. Um, but on the other hand, I think I could tell by the way that chapter was written, I think the author cares about that character. Yeah. And I think she will see her place in the sun eventually. I mean... I, I guess I kind of wish there was... My biggest problem, honestly, I guess when I think about it, isn't that she lost. It's just I wish maybe a little bit more had... Uh, there had been a little bit more of her, like, kind of recovering afterwards rather than just, like, kind right. of crying a little and then being like, go Soma! I was like, eh. But overall, I'm not super upset about it. Um, I think 
eventually she'll find her place, hopefully. Because, weirdly enough, um, besides, like, all the sexualization of women, like, a lot of the female characters are treated pretty okay a lot of the time. Yeah, it's, it's, um, it's a weird thing about it. I think it's because there aren't any real horn dog characters in the series. It's weird. Yeah, I think that would Just, make it unbearable. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think so, too. You know, you don't have, like, Soma lusting after... Any of the girls, or, well, of course, he's he's the shonen main character, so he, so he, he he's would, asexual. He's, he's yeah, they they would never depict him, but like you know, one of the others, or at least from what I've read, I've there yeah, there might be there are a few there. volumes in the middle that I've missed out on, so maybe maybe it's come up, but you know, for yeah, it's the as you said, it's weird that despite all the very nature of the comic in a way, besides that. It is really yeah. respectful. Yeah, I mean, like, a lot of the more respected chefs are women. Now, of course, you could also be like, well, but just look at who gets, you know, has their clothes blown off the most. Right. To which I would say, but the most hilarious scenes of that are with the men, so... Right, but those are hilarious, <laughs> not titillating. Right. Yeah, well, I feel like... Well, I don't know, maybe <laughs> someone might be titillating. <laughs> I don't know. Hmm. Possibly. Yeah, it's it's interesting to say the least. Um, but no, I, I totally get say, that. And even as Go a, ahead. You know, I as a heterosexual male, I mostly am creeped out by a lot of the the <laughs> like scenes where the female characters' clothes fly off because yeah, they're like, I get it. They're like sixteen. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah, and it's. I've said multiple times that Food Wars is kind of, like, my limit, and if I didn't like aspects of it more, I probably wouldn't read it. Yeah. Uh, but at this point, I just kind of see those scenes as just a feature of the series. Like, it's not really something I even... Like, I laugh at those scenes, but I kind of I kind of just don't even think about them after I see them. Yeah. I'm like, oh, this is, that's funny, okay. Right, it's, it's the sort of thing that, like... <laughs> Once you accept it, it's shockingly easy to just, keep it, to just be like, all right, cool. Moving on. It, it I, is funny, though, how that, I at least for me, that acceptance doesn't carry over to the anime. It's like a whole other Yeah, I, I, I haven't seen any myself, I, I, but I've heard that the anime is even more, like, uh, I guess you could say exploitative. Because really, yeah. that's the only part that has any sexuality in it. I mean, okay, there's, there's like, I mean, there are ladies like with lots of cleavage and whatnot. And, and, like, you know, there have been some scenes of them in, like, you know, the showers and stuff. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. Whatever, whatever, you know. Um, <laughs> well, Robot Laser Beam had a scene where they were in the sauna. That's it was true. just guys. Because there are no women in that. There's one girl. But anyway, I'm, I'm talking about another series. Um, but I guess the next month will mainly be um, Soma and... Uh, oh, I'm forgetting his name. The, oh, Sushi Man. The Samurai yeah. Sushi Man. Oh, um, reminds me... I, I really liked oh, the... Go ahead most recent chapter with that with him what is his name um, uh it's something like yeah i, I agree it was it was Sanjo? a it definitely for as much as i was kind of like complaining about megumi losing this kind of made me kind of uh forget that or at hey, least move on um, his name is some saito so saito uh, well it's his last name i think uh, i think they call him saito so yeah i agree it was with the flashback to his uh, childhood and all that, um, 
you know, gotta love those sentimental manga flashback scenes. I was, I knew it was coming too. They're like, how did he get like that? I'm like, oh boy. And then you see like the black panels that kind of, or the black background that kind of signals a flashback. I wonder who pioneered that actually. Yeah, I don't know. I do think, I do think though, like he's, like I kind of get also having Megumi lose. It's like, okay, you were kind of expecting her to win just because like, meta, like, thinking about how Food Wars does the thing, it's like, oh, of course they always do the one where, like, the first person that goes, they like it, and then um the second person, like, usually has some great comeback, and this time they're like, oh, well, they subverted that, but I, he kind of has maybe but written himself just... into a corner a little bit, like, because how much can you really change that formula? Yeah, and then at the same time, you know, though, it's like a best two out of three kind of match, yeah. so... You kind of know that Soma has, she has to lose and Soma has to win in order for it to be the most exciting. Oh, good point, yeah. But I thought since with the whole like team aspect of it, he might have, they might have dialed that back. Uh, nah. but nah. Cause, cause, you know, even if they lost the round, they could have, or, you know, even if, uh, yeah, they had not, um, they had already gotten the best two from that beginning or whatever, um, it still would have been exciting because it determines, you know, who goes and who stays from then on. Yeah. But, yeah. oh well. Oh, well. I just, yeah. yeah I, I thought it was his flashback was cool, though, uh, because um, it's interesting that he, like, had this anti-establishment past, sort of, with, well, like... While still being very... While being yeah. part of the, the Council of Ten or whatever, or the, uh, what's it? Count the You're central. Right. Yeah, central. Yeah, central. Central, um, yeah. And, and as well, you know, there's the anti-establishment of that plus juxtaposed with his, like, you know, whole samurai gimmick, which is, of course, very, you know, traditional. and His yeah. fish is his sword Fun. and the butter <laughs> is the sheath. That was a bit silly. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, it's an interesting juxtaposition for sure. And, you know, he definitely has that feeling of the character who is on the side of the ba- side of the bad guys for now. <laughs> but he's still noble and he's a noble he's gonna man. Do, he's maybe, not going to maybe in the end he'll switch sides and oppose his army or something. Oh, I bet oh, I bet this one's going to end in some kind of tie and he'll be honorable and be like actually Soma's was better than mine. <laughs> oh, You're probably right. Maybe. <laughs> we are historically awful at predicting. Because but, but maybe this is the one. I don't know. That's I'm just throwing that out there. I'm gonna laugh if any of that is true, but yeah, so it could be. <laughs> yeah. Um, we also had the uh, conclusion this month of the uh, current arc in My Hero Academia, and Ooh. pause a second for spoilers for any of you who yeah listen to this and care about spoilers. Probably not many. Okay, so there's the pause. Pull one out for my boy Night Eye. Yeah. Gone too soon. Yes. Yeah. They um, they killed off a hero. I think this might be. I can't remember. There, I, I'm missing a couple of volumes. I've read most of this series, but I think this might be the. And he wasn't like a huge, huge minor character, but he was pretty big for a while, for about a year now. Mm-hmm. Um, and he goes to prove the axiom that not all heroes wear capes. Oh my god. He wears a suit. Somewhere suits. <laughs> yes, um, it was a sad. Yeah, it was pretty sad because I liked that character. Also, we. I mean, this of course ended the arc of um, Chisaki or um, Overhaul, who I really enjoyed. 
um, had a really kind of interesting final fight with um, Deku using, um, oh gosh, is it Arina? Ari? I'm, it Aerie starts with an E. Aerie, so, I think that's so, right. I think sorry, Aerie. sorry. I'm, I'm thinking of of the girl from Food Wars too, um, who has this yeah, ability. It's, it's to, yeah, who's <laughs> to rewind stuff. So I think, from what I understand of Overhaul's plan was to he wanted to kind of like rewind back to the Stone Age, bring people back to their like primitive selves and stuff. And so, but what was really interesting about this is that uh, she teamed up with Deku, and because he hurts himself when he uses um. Uh, one for all. She was able to rewind some of the damage so he could go he could go all out on overhaul. So um yeah, he finally beat him. And um in the next chapter, which was also weirdly shocking and violent, um Shigaraki, uh one of the other villains who famously has like a bunch of hands on all over him, like tore still, overhaul's still, arms off. Still probably my favorite design of the series so far. Yeah. I love So silly. I love Shigaraki's stupid design. Um yeah, tore his arms off and said, yeah, well, um, I'm taking your stuff now. Uh, you are not the villain anymore. I've been built up uh, to be the villain for like 100 chapters now. So, well, he didn't actually say that, but that's what... <laughs> that's what the base. That, that was the subtext. <laughs> so, yeah, I think they're building up Shigaraki to be uh, it, not the final villain, but one of the big, um, uh, probably one of the big, uh, like, kind of... Threats. Threats of the series, yeah. Yeah, it was cool though. I really liked that. I, I like when My Hero Academia does things that I don't want to say it shocked me. That that's a little much, but um, just kind of like, oh yeah, that's cool. I like where this is going. Yeah, I think I think it does that a bit better than some of the other series. Yeah, it does. It does. It's not like whoa, he's just trying to be edgy for no reason. It was like right, yeah, it, and it and it does stuff that legitimately surprises me. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's. It's very good about that. I think. Yeah, and again, it's sad that that Night Eye is gone. Though I guess my thought is that maybe he couldn't think of much else the quirk could do. Right, you can, it's, <laughs> it's a shame because it was a cool quirk. Well, it's one of those ones that also prevents like a narrative danger. Yeah, you know, because um, if Night Eye can see so far into the future, like he can kind of predict. But right. then, but then Deku proved that, oh, he can change the future, you know? Um, and it was still a touching scene. Don't get me wrong. I don't mean to downplay that at all. But, um, right. yeah, we'll see. Cause now the stakes are a bit higher. And, uh, I think, oh, did Night Eye die not knowing that Mirio lost his power? I don't think he knew. Maybe not. That's, That's a good question. Yeah, because Mirio was there. Yeah, I thought, I thought that, uh, the whole scene with Mirio, you know, uh, Showing up and being upset. I, I thought that the illustration there was very well. Mm-hmm. Cause you know, yeah. normally Mirio, he's great. He looks ridiculous. He, look, he, he looks though. ridiculous. Oh, he's uh, so cute though. His, you know, cute little face. Yeah. Um, but he, it was somehow like, you know, the way that he was kind of, uh, depicted. Yeah. Uh, still like carried emotional heft to it. Yeah. It, you know, he made this guy who looks a little silly. Sometimes, yeah, like still, you know, made uh, cool his and kind of uh, heartbreak out there, you know, feel very emotionally uh, affected. Yeah, and um, wow, I just lost my train of thought. Sorry, I was gonna say something else about about Mirio. Um, yeah, no, I was just gonna say uh, actually that 
I just feel like this comic uh, is some. Of, I just really like how emotionally like honest it is. It's so positive, really, at the core. I, I really like that. I never feel like it's cynical at all about anything it's doing. It's just very earnest, and I really appreciate it, uh, that about it because even I mean, One Piece is not really cynical, but I just feel like this is the most like. And I know we just got done talking about depressing stuff, but this is the most feel good one, I think. Uh, like, you know, seeing the good guys win, it feels nice. Um, even though I do like the villains in this series. Um, yeah, and, and like you guys have said before, I don't read that many superhero comics, but it seems like, uh, from what I understand, a lot of my friends that don't read much manga but are reading this and are used to superhero comics really like the tone of it. Um, which I think is cool. Um, it seems to be pulling in people that want that more positive story and maybe uh, Western superhero comics aren't giving that to them. I'm not sure. That's just my, that's just my perception. Yeah. I, I mean, the series is kind of a really, really, really great blend of um, Western superhero comics. And then just kind of the really addictive, you know, kind of, basic shonen book i guess and by, by that i mean like the one pieces and naruto's and dragon balls and you know things like that yeah um it it really like melds the qualities of those two things extremely well it's kind of a dangerous series in that way i think um it's just very good yeah it it, it sucks you in you know if... for sure yeah I will say it's sometimes, I was just, sorry, this is just a random thought. It, it is sometimes a little hard to understand what's going on if you don't know what someone's quirk is. Like, if you're, if you're just jumping in, it's sometimes a little hard to tell what's going on because you see someone manipulating something in a weird way. And you, sometimes I've had to look up people's quirks because I, I can't remember. It's been, been a while since that character's appeared. But overall, yeah, just like, uh, overall, um, Besides that, pretty easy to jump into, I think. And especially now that a new arc's starting, um, maybe yeah, that could be sure. a good jumping-on point for people. Speaking of uh, new arcs starting, um, there's been a new uh, developments in Black Clover, which I don't think we've talked about for a uh, couple of months, maybe. It's been a little while. It's been a little while. So we had the conclusion of this uh, tournament arc, um, which, you know, it seemed like it, it was going for a bit like a slower pace, you know, here's our time to kind of show off all these secondary characters who don't always appear. But then like, you know, after, uh, some developments, it really picked up the pace. Um, and you know, now we're beginning this uh, new arc about kind of them assaulting, um, oh, what's the name of the villainous uh, group? Midnight Sun, I think. Yeah, Midnight Sun. Right. I, th I think that's right. Um, and Asta and everyone, you know, being part of the Royal Knights, which, let's be honest, this was just a way to get Asta and Unio to be on the same team quickly. Sure. You know, For I think, sure. yeah. I think he realized that his whole, he had his fun idea with like all these different like groups, the Black Bulls and, um, all of them, you know, oh, you know, they've all got their own characteristics and, you know, we're going to hang out with, uh, Asta's group. And I think he just realized 
maybe this was all planned out ahead of time, but I think it it feels like there was the realization of this isn't really sustainable. <laughs> yeah, to, yeah this to... is a good opportunity to get a lot of the, I guess, more favorite characters together for an yeah. arc. And I, you know, I wonder if this is kind of more of where the series is going to be heading or right. if um, this is like a one-off arc thing. Um, it, it, I, I think it's, I get the vibe. It's going to be, you know, more permanent um, because the core of the series so far is the friendly rivalry with Asta and Unio. I'm saying that right, right? Unio? Yeah. Yeah. You know, I think you know. You know, you know. That's right. Yeah. Um, Asta and you know. Um, you know, that's that's really the core of this. Um, you know, the, the supporting characters on the Black Bulls were a lot of fun and everything, but. Um, I think it's more convenient story-wise to have them in this like one, you know, select group than to just have them conveniently running into, um, you know, and his team. Yeah, um, yeah. Although they did carry over a few interesting characters from the the Black Bulls too. Right. Um, they, you know, Noel came. Um, of course, no. Kind of like the. Of course, Noel came, but um, Luck also, who is a kind of weird, quirky little character. Yeah, he, I, he I was, really always enjoy his like visual design because he's always just so kind of like manic. It, it's yeah, it's very ridiculous, but like yeah. for some reason, he seems less ridiculous than like that person who has uh, a braid going down the center of their face. Right, right. <laughs> um, um, all, with all his. Oh, go ahead. I was just saying, I was just saying with all of his zippers and such, like a Nomura character. Oh, you're hey, right. <laughs> don't you trash talk Nomura? But oh, if only Nomura designed all characters. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, the thing with Locke was this was partially me, probably just blowing through the chapter. But like when it was, what, what was the name that he was originally going by? Like. Oh no! Wait, that's a that's a different character. Oh, never mind. Uh, that's a you're thinking of Zer- Zora, who was Zora, who is Zerks. That's yeah, right. Never yeah. mind. Um, Luck is the like kind of like young looking blonde kid with the, with like, the painting powers. No, okay. Who's the painter? <laughs> oh God! I, I need, uh, I need to just shown in characters. Straight. I, I need to just write down like a cast list for anything that I I'm think, talking about. I think the paint, man, this just shows how engaged in Black Clover, I guess I am. <laughs> uh, the paint character was a captain for right. one of the other okay. teams. Um, I can't remember which one, though. Yeah. So, before my, you know, embarrassing moment of forgetting the names, <laughs> um, the, the whole thing with like him not actually being Zerk's. I, maybe I was just kind of blowing through it too quickly, but like, um, I kind of, I guess I kind of missed, like, at first I, I was confused. Like, wait a second, he's not Cirque's? What? Oh, and I had to, like, go back and relook at that chapter that, you know, it, the way that it kind of, like, jumped from, like, flashback to current to flashback to current it was a little bit disorienting, I think, but again, it could have just been me. Yeah. I think, well, I, I mean, I, I reviewed that issue 
for the mm -hmm. site, the one where that was kind of like very Zerks, right. Zorn centric, and so maybe that's why I um, picked up on it a little bit more. It's okay. You can you can say I don't have good critical reading skills. I... No, you can just say maybe I. Maybe you have really good Black ones. Clover too closely. No, I was going to say maybe I, maybe I care too much about about Black Clover. <laughs> oh man! Is there anyone as cool as Kakashi in Black Clover? Because isn't Not it like maybe, kind of no, maybe um what's his name? Oh, what's the, the leader of the, the Black captain. Um, the, uh, Yumi. Yumi. I think, or... Yumi. Yeah, but is he obsessed with um, Make Out Paradise? No, Not quite. Not. But he, he's Does like, he have a dumb quirk? That well, makes his, his whole gimmick is that, um, so, you know, this is like kind of medieval uh, fantasy um, yeah. land <laughs> as, a, as opposed to, you know, some, something else. Um, whereas this uh, this captain, Yami, Yami, not Yami, Yami yeah. um, I think. <laughs> Yami, Yami um, is like, just like the blatant uh, trope of like, you know, the, person out of time and place. Well, maybe not out of time, but he's you know, from a strange land. I, I thought you said Yanni. <laughs> <laughs> he's like almost kind of like a um, like it's more comedic version of Aaron from... Yeah, that's a good way to put it. Actually. Final Fantasy X? Yeah. Really? Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> he, he's like, you know, if everyone else is more like, you know, European kind of wizard knight sort okay. of thing... You know, he's, he's like a he's, Bushido. He's, yeah, he's like the inexplicable, like, like, why is a samurai slash whatever, you know, here. Okay, gotcha. And, and, and they, he kind of pokes fun at that as well, you know, acknowledging that it's a yeah. bit silly. I'll, um, I'll have to keep an eye out for that whenever I catch up. Yeah. Sorry about that. So he, Still way behind. <laughs> he, he would be, if in our if we make our various, and there are various, uh, Black Clover to Naruto analogies, he would probably be the Kakashi. Okay, cool. Um, I think we want to close out talking about um, one of the other series from the uh, Jumpstarts that started last month. We talked about it, um, but when we recorded, only one chapter had been out. Um, this is uh, Golem Hearts. Um, and I think that it... So, we had our concerns with... Uh, that I remember talking about where, you know, the very first chapter ended with, you know... And oh, but the fun, they're the like, fun wasn't going days to... of happiness wouldn't last <laughs> yeah, the, um, Yeah, so it was implying that, you know, like, the professor oh, was going to die, or they're going to be separated in, indefinitely, or whatever. And there's something tragic is going right. to happen. I don't know Which, that... I... Go ahead, sorry. No, you go ahead. No, I was going to say, I don't know that that's going to happen. I can't really remember. Well, I think they're just kind of, they're but, going to separate, but he's... Yeah, I guess yeah. they're still kind of spinning their wheels a little, because I think... And they kind of they kind of faked you out, you know. Yeah, they did. They yeah, made it look that, like... That fun subversion where <laughs> they look like they murdered the the um, master in he, the second... He looked really dead. He did. He, he looked pretty effed up. And... That was brutal. Yeah. Yeah, they basically had um, Team Rocket, this this series version of Team Rocket, come to their town and try to kidnap um, the boy, the golem. Oh my gosh. The boy. Noah. Where's the boy? Where's the boy? <laughs> um, basically. Um, 
You know, and there were some touching scenes with that, too. It, I mean, nothing really super mind-blowing happened in those three chapters, really. The, the coolest thing, though, was that they kind of had this, like, uh, this female character kind of show up, and she was a little different than you would expect kind of a shonen female yeah, she, character. She's, she's older. She's not like a kid. Yes, yeah, um, she seems, you know, kind of She's kind of rude. Tough. She's the tough one. Yeah, they make, they make jokes about her being kind of like, tomboyish or yeah right. which manly yeah um, which is in itself kind of like yeah i've kind of seen that before but at the same time i kind of like that better. Like she's she's going to uh kind of serve as the piccolo to his gohan that's a little bit different i mean i hope that she doesn't leave him out in the wilderness to uh like get food for himself for a couple of days i mean gohan turned out fine True, yeah. but... Turned out to be a stand-up individual. I think someone has to be writing on him. Oh, wait, no, you're saying that he can... Uh, he'll be able to write on himself. Right. Draw then, on himself. And then bad. she's going to blow up the moon. Right, because he'll turn into a... A werewolf. Golem. Werewolf golem. I think we're taking this comparison too far. <laughs> and then she'll use special beam cannon. Okay. All right. If there's yeah. anything I've learned from any of my multiversity podcasts, it's that you can never take comparisons too far. <laughs> His name is Noah. Wow, how did I forget such a normal name? Yeah. The Golem. The yes. Golem. Sorry about that. Though it is funny that he looks just like a kid, though. I thought it was going to be revealed that a child had the Golem art put in him or something rather than that he was made... I don't know. Maybe maybe that is more cliche. I mean, it's, you know, like Pinocchio. Right. Uh, I guess you're right. Geppetto. But oh, that's a good point, yeah. I, I definitely think it was, and we talked about this last month, but, you know, just kind of to reiterate, I, I think it was the strongest of the three. It wasn't like, you know, anything groundbreaking. Yeah. But there, there was a lot of heart to it. and It's fun to read. There was a lot, there was enough that was different about it. I would really like for it to see it come back, but... I, I think at this point, especially if uh, nothing's in next week's issue, I would think. I would guess yeah. that probably means that none of these three are being picked up, which they've done before. Yeah, I was going to say, because sometimes they just kind of test the waters, right? They don't yeah. always pick one of those three. And sometimes run. they pick more than one. Yeah. Oh, God. Yeah. Last, well, last time they picked something. Well, Robot Laser Beam we like, but they also picked We Never Learned, so... Yeah, I don't know. I don't know how that happened. I I mean, I know how it happened. I, I do. You're right, I do. But, like, jeez. Oh, no. I... Well, rather that than that other terrible one. Was, uh, oh, yeah. The, the mobile phone idol thing it was awful. So bad. There were a lot of bad ones. That was one of the worst I've ever read, though. <laughs> yeah. But, Golem Hearts. That was good. We hope to see more of it. If not, that's too bad. If not, I'd also wouldn't be surprised if there's probably some others coming around the corner. Maybe. Maybe. I don't um, know. They, they seem pretty full up now. I mean, they also brought yeah, Yu-Gi-Oh! back, I guess. Well, you know, that's just monthly. <laughs> oh, right. I forgot Yu-Gi-Oh! Yeah. existed as a manga. And it's always pushed to the back. <laughs> it's, it is always at the back yeah. every time. I love receiving my, my Yu-Gi-Oh! card every year. That's great. I yeah I actually um, this this is a fun note to end on I suppose I renewed my subscription um, and so before I had subscribed using my iPad I guess or something and 
I never got like the cards. Um, actually, that also reminds me. So I never got the cards though. Um, Matt Malikov, former editor in chief of Multiversity Comics, um, gave me, I guess he has a subscription and he got the cards and he gave me some cards as a wedding gift, um, which was pretty great. Oh, nice. Anyway, um, I recently had to resubscribe and I did it on the website and it's like, you know, enter in your address here and all that, uh, to get the cards. And I'm like, oh, I don't want it. I left it blank. Um, but then it's like, no, you need you to, fill, to, you need to yeah. fill it in. So then after resubscribing, I then sent a customer support email asking, is there any way to opt out of receiving these? I do not want like any, you know, I'm not trying to haggle for a better price. Like, you know, don't send me these. And then like, you know, reduce yeah. the price by 50 cents. I just want something. my I comics. I just do not want this. My, my I, funny story is that I, Sorry, I promise this will be short. Uh, is that, uh, w- uh, before I moved out, um, I had uh, just started subscribing to Shonen Jump. Um, and I had my parents' address on there. When I moved to my new place, I did not change it. So my card got delivered to my house. My mom, when I next see her, she brings it. She's like, I got this cute thing in the mail. This must be yours. And I'm like, oh, yeah. Shoot. They're still going there, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. My parents are probably like, what the hell is this? <laughs> I now now my funny story is go for it. Um, every every uh, weekly Shonen Jump subscriber has a Yu-Gi-Oh card story. Yeah, so earlier this year, I think it was, they had a um, sale where you could resubscribe for I think it was ten dollars. Oh yeah, yeah. Normal, I should have uh, like done that. or whatever it was, but the catch was you don't get the cards. <laughs> um, but. And maybe this was just like an outlier, like I had one left over from my prior subscription, but I still have gotten at least a couple cards. So I don't know if maybe someone just, at, at is like just shuffled some papers the wrong way or they, what. They can't give them away. I guess they just they, they just have to slip them into your mail, even if you didn't ask for it. And it probably got, it, and it's probably the same with how like you know Yu Gi Oh arc. Or I don't know if it's Zeta, pronounced, arc, I don't, I don't know, know if it's pronounced Arc Five or Arc V. Oh V. Okay. Um, you know, it, they they must have just some sort of long-standing contract that will be in yeah. effect for a long time because you know they they never they almost like never promote the no. Yu-Gi-Oh story. I think in the what is it now like three years that I've been subscribed, um, they it's only been on the cover once. Yeah. I'm pretty sure. I, and even then, it was like still in the back. It was, it, it's always the last thing. So I, I know. think they definitely have some sort of they like definitely, understanding that nobody really wants this. We just kind of have to do it or a very small amount of people. Yeah. If you're one of those people and you think we're being jerks <laughs> to the Yu-Gi-Oh fandom, please. Be angry at us in the I, comments. I like Yu-Gi-Oh! GX. I think it's a very funny show. I mean, I haven't watched it in a long time, but I feel like if it ever came up on Netflix, I would watch it because it's hilarious, especially the dubbed version. That's the one where Kaiba has his, like, dueling school. It's pretty great. At least I'm pretty sure that's the one. Yeah, the guy the guy who voices Kaiba must just have... That, that That's an awesome job. It is. Sure. He, he had the time of his life doing that role. <laughs> All right. So that's uh, that about wraps it up for uh, this month, uh, as we talked about in the first section, in case you missed it. Next month, we'll be talking about Nausicaa and the Valley of Wind by uh, some dude. 
Um, uh, some fellow. Mm. Until then, as you said, if you, as usual, if you, uh, have any agreements, disagreements you wish to settle in the comments, bring it. We're ready. Hmm. Can't intimidate us. All right. See you guys next month. Bye.